Welcome to another edition of Your Impact Attack. That's right, it is Your Impact Attack, where all the attacks and the impacts and the impacts of the attacks and the attacks of the impacts are here, and we're here to uh, to hold on to them and curate them for you uh, because it's yours after all, and we wouldn't uh, have it any other way. But who is we in the in this uh, in this scenario? We is myself jamie williams my tag team partner brandon and uh brandon um we got a lot to talk about this week none of which is like new impact news because the news is the impacts so so how are how are you first of all i am doing super sir thank you for asking how are you doing oh man just couldn't be better just can't wait i love wrestling brandon and i can't wait to talk about it it's my favorite thing what about you Oh man, uh, can't wait to get to this uh, great, great impact wrestling and the great decisions they make. And yeah, so great, so great, absolutely great. Um, well, we will get to those great decisions that are great, uh, pretty shortly here. Uh, first, we're gonna do what we like to do and acknowledge the people that are here with us to uh, to partake in this greatness. Uh, so who do we have so far? It looks like we got hanging out with us right now. We got Lizbeth, we got Javi Uchida, and we got Lab Rat. How you guys doing tonight? Whoop, whoop. Yep, that's right. We got, uh, three just, th- these are like some of the pillars of the Impact Attack chat, if we could say. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, like I said, not like... Oh yeah, breaking news. That's like, just went down. What what does that say? I can't. It says uh, BJ Whitner guys is fired from AEW. Oh my god! Fired from AEW for uh, apparently, or what AEW is saying is apparently he has been arrested for domestic violence. Oh, I thought it was because he wasn't because he did a poor judging of the Ring of Honor Pure Title match that. Uh, I would have thought that was the reason why, but apparently not, huh? Huh? Well, nope. I'm sure most people out there in um, in the world are sitting th- and saying to themselves right now, "B.J. Whitmer worked at uh, at AEW," and I'm sure probably even a few more people than that are saying, "Who?" Um, but uh, you know, for us wrestling guys, uh, we know B.J. Whitmer as a longtime Ring of Honor guy <laughs> I don't really know what else to say maybe somebody else can clue me and maybe this is one of those alex shelley situations where i'm just not aware of all the wonderful contributions that bj whitmer has made to the uh professional wrestling business and normally i would feel a little bit guilty to try to pull the old who card on bj whitmer um but uh if he's guilty of domestic violence or those things that i don't give a fuck about respecting him so um anyway yeah that's uh oh shit as steve Ager says am i not here he is okay. you're here just making sure at the time of the reading though i did not see your name sir or colin's name um but yeah so that's what's up um yeah i didn't see that news um i didn't see any other important impact news other than results but like i said the the news is the results, so we got to talk about 
an episode of Impact and, of course, your full coverage of Against All Odds, which, as I was watching it, I was realizing, like, Against All Odds is gambling-themed. It's got, like, the it, the background has, like, the little card suits, you know, like diamonds and clubs and stuff like that. And it's just like, and how is this not one of the many things that they tape from Las Vegas? Like, this was in Cleveland right. or some shit? Like, what? Yeah, right. You can't even... Something as simple as that, you can't even... But anyway. So. So, yeah. Well, uh... If uh, if there's no objections, uh, before we get to that, uh, Brandon, do you have a punching up impact for this uh, week, meaning this past week? I sure do for this six one twenty three edition of Impact. All right, let's go ahead and uh, put that in the corner and uh, chop the shit out of it and make it sell. All right, so we're gonna go ahead and open the show with the Under Siege package, basically hype going over all the highlights of that show. Go to our intro in Pyro and Ballyhoo, and we open up with the in-ring. Uh, Bully Ray out first, music and entrance. He puts over what he did at Under Siege as well as his other accomplishments. He mentions that he has a business arrangement with Macklin. Macklin music and entrance with Shira and Singh. Singh puts over how they continue to destroy and demolish everything that's in their path. And he mentions how he was the one who financially brokered this new business arrangement. Macklin lays out how the four of them will carve a path of destruction so that it ends up with Macklin versus Bully Ray at Slammiversary. Motor City Machine Guns interrupts. Shelly cuts a promo how they don't have to wait till against all odds. They can have a tag match of Bully and Macklin versus Motor City Machine Guns tonight. Santino makes the fish match official. Bully says, why wait? The four of them leave the ring up to the Motor City Machine Guns, and it ends up with them getting laid out before security comes out and stops the brawl. And then Santino orders a match of San of Singh and Shira against this Decay on the spot, and he bans Macklin and Bully from ringside while trainers help Motor City Machine us to the back. And then we go to commercial. Okay. All right. Starting off with hurting the Motor City Machine Guns. I'm a fan. <laughs> All right. And then we come back in the trainer's room backstage. Trainers aren't sure if they'll be able to clear, the Motor City, clear them for the main event. However, they plead their case of how they just... Yeah, they're gonna. They want to fight. Go to match number one: Shira and Sing versus Decay. Shira and Sing are still in the ring from earlier. Decay music and entrance. Shira and Sing work together with the Brain Bronze Psychology while still having Decay look strong. And Shira gets the pin on Tarus. And Shira and Sing put Steve on the announce table. And Shira power bombs Tarus on top of Steve. Then they go backstage to the locker room with Bully Ray and Macklin watching. It's all take place on the monitor and put over what they just, what Shira and Singh just got done. And then they'll finish the job later tonight with Motor City Machine Guns, whether or not they're cleared for the main event or not. Then they go to the pre tape of Aldous and Jacob, same one that we saw on the show. Then they cut to the vignette of Killer Kelly, the same one that we saw on the show. And then match number two is Jody Threat versus Luna. Luna music and entrance, Threat music and entrance, basically a shorter version of what we got with Threat over Strong. And then go into our second commercial break. So we didn't solve the problem of why we have Luna here in this spot as opposed to some other, you know, um, let's say enhancement lady or whatever. Because now uh, we just make, um, depending on what you have set up for the main event, uh, you know, we have this whole subculture thing and they're, they just look like high profile jobbers right now. If, if, 
I'm not really sure what their contract status is. That's why I kind of did it this way is because like they weren't on, they weren't against all odds and they weren't on uh, the show before on the go home show either. So I'm not really sure what they're doing with them. If they're doing anything with them at all, if there was just the one shot with doing the under siege and the next night. I was going to see what I would do. Uh, if, if so, like, let's say we were actually running this impact as a partnership or whatever, and you gave me this format, what I would suggest is like, well, how about we scratch Jody threat? Cause we've seen enough of her and then give Danny Luna a local to at least give subculture something. And then if they don't come back, then it's like, oh, here's a small taste of what you could get, you know, with Danny Luna going over somebody and Jody threat can watch and be like, Hmm, stroke her chin and whatever. Okay. You know what I mean? Something like that, I think, would probably be better in this case. And I'd say uh, we and I say let's go with that. All right, punching up the punching it. All right, <laughs> let's go. What's next? All right, so then we come. Let's see where were we at? Okay, then we come back from our second commercial break. Backstage locker room with Deanna and Trinity. Talk about their tag team match against all odds. And Deanna mentions how she has Trinity's back tonight to even the playing field against Shaw and Jay. Then we go to a, another locker room uh, where Shaw and company are at. They're watching the monitor of, of the conversation between Deanna and Trinity. They mention how they can use tonight to soften them both up for against all odds. Then we get to a, a new vignette of Brian Myers doing a learning tree with the good hands. He mentions tonight that he'll go one-on-one -on -one with Ace Austin and to give them pointers from his time as a tag team. Or he may... Or, and we go to that match, number three, Brian Myers versus Ace Austin. Brian Myers music and entrance with good hands. Ace Austin music and entrance with Chris Bay. Ace Austin over botched interference by the good hands. And Brian Myers scolds them after the match. Uh, now, does that entrance include their usual bullshit of uh, saying something and running down the local town? No, it's just Brian like leading oh. them and saying, quiet, watch what I do. And just kind of instructing them, be quiet. Mount, you know the whole... Uh, mouth shut, ears open. Mm-hmm. All right. All right, and then we go back to backstage uh, to the trainer's room with Motor City Machine Guns. Trainers say that they're not sure if they'll clear them. Sully says he doesn't care. They get up and go. Then you go to a, a new uh, Dango vignette, and this is one of those situations where it's like one of those things where just say, Dango, do your thing. Right. And then, right. And then, and then whatever you give us, we'll post. Mm-hmm. And then we go to another backstage locker room split screen of Trinity and Deanna and Sean company getting ready and heading to the ring before we go to commercial break number three. And then we come back to match number four of Trinity versus Evans. Evans music and entrance with Sean Jay. Trinity music entrance with Deanna. Evans in control most of the match with Trinity fighting from underneath and Deanna keeping Sean Jay at bay. Finish sees Trinity make a comeback and go up top before the fight between Deanna and for Deanna and gets into a fight with Jay and Shaw. Deanna accidentally causes Trinity to fall from the top rope. Evans picks up the win. And then we kind of do the same post-match shenanigans but as we saw on the show with Jordan running out and getting written off. Oh, okay. I ain't I ain't giving uh I ain't giving nobody a win over Trinity. Uh not here, no. I think uh that we should probably get into some kind of a schmoz and get it DQ'd and throwing the whole thing out. Because I don't, I don't want to beat Trinity yet. That makes sense. If, she, if, she's, if she's going for a title at the pay per view after next, you know, that's a good like point. Like we we have to give we have to give the people a reason to think she's going to win. If she loses to the loser, that's no good. Even though we're trying to do something for Savannah Evans, but in this way it protects her by not giving her another L, uh, which she can't afford. 
Um, or she could just do something like they could just be like, ah, fuck this match and just kick the shit out of training and get disqualified that way. That you works. know, because, you know, number one, that's a heelish thing to do. Number two, it's, uh, you know, keeping it. It's not, it's not like putting anybody under. So that, that would, that would be my suggestion. Right. And you still have the miscommunication with like somebody like Diana throwing a shot, somebody ducking her pop Trinity. Right. Yeah, I do like the idea of you want to put a little bit of uh, intrigue going into the tag match, but we don't have to give anybody a loss going in. Right. So. I, mean, I, I think that's a that's a safe blanket uh, generalization for uh, a lot of pro wrestling is that um, you know we can use we we used to use the DQ too much. Um, but now we don't use it enough. I don't, I don't understand how it's got to be feast or famine mm -hmm. with everything. Like, can people not have, do, do guys that have been booking wrestling for decades still not find a way to get like a happy medium of how things are supposed to be? I, I just don't see what's so difficult about that. It's like the situations you set up almost write themselves as to what the finishes should be. So, you know, it's like, why do people struggle with that so much? Just... A DQ is okay. People aren't supposed to like it. They're not supposed to like it. What do they care if it's a clean finish? That shit is fake. Anyway. Yeah, I like. I actually like that a lot better, too. All right. So then, let's see, where are we at? We so were we go, at the uh, Evans okay. and the new Schmoz finish. All right. So then we go backstage to Santino's office. And then we have the same segment that we had with them. They had on the show, and then they cut to a backstage segment with Sean Company in the hallway where they put over what they just did. And then a hit and run with Tasha where she lays out Shaw and gets away before anybody gets their hands on her. Ah, Tasha's back. All right, and then we go to match number five, Callahan and Chris versus Subculture. Oh, I was hoping we got rid of all these guys. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, subculture music and entrance, Callahan and Chris music and entrance with Callahan and Chris over clean, and then design come out for a beatdown, and then Swan comes out where he takes a minute just like he did on the show. And then go to our fourth commercial break, and we come back with a backstage with in the hallway with Callahan, Chris, and Swan, and they have the same conversation they had on the show. And then we have a uh, Death Dolls vignette where they're on an adventure to find something to ward off the Coven's magic. Oh, I see. Just try and come up with something with the storyline and the gimmick. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they, and then they find something that causes them to have uncomfortable feelings of deja vu, and then they abandon their quest for now. All right. Labra saying, bury all these guys in the desert. I assume he was talking <laughs> about the uh, Callahan and all those uh, subculture, yeah. Unfortunately, I don't know mm -hmm. if we were in Vegas for the staping, so... <laughs> And then we go to a Masha vignette where she talks about what she's going to do to Kelly at against all odds in the chain match. And then match number six, Edwards versus Yuya. Same match that we had before along with Kazarian running out. And then we go to a backstage with Motor City Machine Guns as they get ready for the main event. Backstage to the locker room where Bully and Macklin get ready for their, get ready for the main event, talk about what they're going to do. And then Moose walks in and says if they think they're going to eliminate everyone in the 8-4-1, they have an issue with moose. All right. Okay. Little moose is always good. A lot of moose is always better. And then we go to our last commercial break. 
cut to the announcement or the hype next week's show and run down the current against all odds card. Now we have our main event, Motor City Machine Guns versus Bully and Macklin. Bully Ray music and entrance, Macklin music and entrance, Motor City Machine Guns music and entrance. Shelly takes heat and matches most of the matches, Motor City Machine Guns getting beat down and refusing to get pinned or submit and continuing to fight from underneath. Motor City Machine Guns over DQ and Macklin stops Motor City Machine Guns hot tag comeback with a chair shot. Shira and Singh out to join the beatdown before Moose spears both of them. And then Moose runs down to the ring and brawls with Macklin and Bully as the show goes off the air. Oh, all right, all right. More Moose, more Moose. I, I like it. All right. Because wouldn't Moose, because like if they're if they're making their mission to eliminate everybody that's in their a Bully's way, wouldn't Moose be like, fuck that shit? Yep, I think Moose would. And even if he wouldn't, who cares? Let's just put him out there. <laughs> Matter of fact, let's see if he can do commentary on some earlier matches too. Uh, let's just let's just get. In fact, we'll give Gia the night off and let Moose interview everybody. Like that. Let's just. You can't you can't go wrong with me at least, with adding Moose anywhere on the card as many times as repetitively as possible. None of those rules apply here. If you're talking about, you know what I was saying about how we should have some clean finishes and, but you know, don't be afraid to use the DQ. That doesn't apply to Moose. If Moose is in a match, you can give him a clean win over anybody. I don't care who it is. Uh, so, all right. So there you go. There was your redo of which one was this? Six one. Six one. All right. So. And uh, I guess that can just lead us straight into uh, the, the, the actual episode of Impact that we got this week. Another go-home for something that's, I'll be quite honest, it was basically like a commercialist version of a, an episode of Impact and longer. It didn't, really, uh, it didn't really feel like a big event. The staging didn't make it feel big. It just felt like another taping, so... Um, you know, so therefore this was sort of, I felt the lackluster, uh, final show. Um, but, uh, I didn't know how lackluster it was till I saw against all odds, but we'll talk about that next. Let's talk about this first. Um, before we get into it, is there anything else we want to bring up or discuss? No, I, th I think we are good. I think well, they officially wrote Jordan Grace off with that attack that Giselle Shaw did. Mm hmm. Yeah, so she may not be back for the rest of her life. Uh, Alright, so we're going to start with a recap like we always do. And we're going to open with uh, Chris Bay versus Jason Hotch. And then they do the uh, they do that thing I was talking about where Meyer says something and then the other guy says something. I don't, I, I'll be honest, I don't know which one said something. I assume it was Jason Hotch, but I... Um, I was kind of, uh, I was, I think I was putting dressing on my salad at lunchtime or something like that. So I didn't really, I had this in a small window while I'm making notes on my phone, like on the other thing. So I couldn't really see, but, uh, it doesn't matter. Um, and then, uh, after Chris Bay wins the match, um, then he gets hit with, uh, their finish, their, their tag team finish, which they call the favor or something like that. Is that, yep. is that right? Is that what they call it? The favor? The, the favor. So another reference that makes no sense if you're not like a pro wrestling insider. 
Uh, if you're just a regular fan watching this, then first of all, what's wrong with you? Get a life. And then second of all, you know, you're not going to get that, you know, the, 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 uh, the reference. Um, but yeah, the favor. Is it just me? Does it seem like job squad 2.0 kind of? It does in the sense that you're exposing, you know, at least with job squad, you know, there was some ambiguity to it but their debut they actually did a thing where they uh flipped the script and actually like changed the finish on the fly and that was a story that they changed the finish on them and they weren't expecting it because i think it was um it was scorpio and holly against too much and they're setting up for like you remember the old death penalty that america's most wanted used to do uh what is it it was like they have the guy's legs around his waist and he sits it down and then a storm came off with the leg drop Okay. And, Bri- and Brian was going up, or Brian Christopher went up for the leg drop. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I think it was Holly. They rolled up Scott. And then uh, and it, it was a shoot roll up. It looked like a shoot roll because the ref kind of one, two, hesitated, like, and then hit three. And then it cuts to Brian Christopher still standing on the rope. And you can clearly see him mouth. That was not the finish. Okay. So they did a worked shoot, is what you're saying? Yep. Oh. And then that was never really followed up on. No, and it shouldn't have been. That's a terrible idea. Because that ruins every other match. It ruins literally every other match in the entire premise of the show. But, you know, when you're just a fan and you don't know any better, it's like that kind of stuff. You look at that and the regular fans are confused and like the insider fans are like, oh, that's interesting because you always want to know more. You're always like hungrier to know more about what goes on backstage and stuff. So all that business exposing shit that ECW used to do and, uh, you know, and, and the stuff that Russo was liking to write and everything, it was very intriguing because it was like a, a peek backstage behind the curtain, you know? And that's, you know, they, but, but they didn't, they didn't think about the long-term effects of it, you know, which is what we're feeling right now. Like, because they've already ruined everything else and uh, just regular pro wrestling classic wasn't good enough, now we have people, like, jumping off of things, through things, bleeding all over the place. Everybody's just trying to get people, uh, you know, they're, they're trying to get people interested and we're all desensitizing them. But none of that has anything to do with this. This is just Chris Bay winning a match. So <laughs> did you have any thoughts on this match or, or any other things? Uh, I mean, this match kind of highlights the problem of what we're seeing in a lot of wrestling matches is basically turning into call the spots and you know what's coming. Like, like if you, if you see somebody like taking a, uh, like a kick or a forearm to the head and then they go off the ropes. Okay. You know, it's going to get a counter or a duck or something. Right. Yes. Unfortunately, the old, uh, hit somebody and then run to the ropes thing has become, you know, uh, too ubiquitous. And you could probably thank Japan for that, but unfortunately, like most things, you know, they take the they take the thing from Japan and they kind of miss the point of it. So, and now it's gotten to the point where they do it so much in Japan that they miss the point of it. It's essentially for those of you who are wondering, it's kind of like it's just the new version of like when you would give a guy a tackle and then just go hit the ropes, you know. Like the idea being like, okay, I knocked the guy down. I'm going to hit the ropes and come off with like an elbow drop or a leg drop or a knee drop or something like, uh, and then, 
as you go toward the ropes, the guy goes towards you at the drop down to try to trip you, and then you jump over him, and then he leapfrogs you because he gets up just in time to avoid you running back at him. So you got to keep hitting the ropes, and then you come back, and now he's on the advantage because he's on his feet flat, and then he gives you a hip toss or whatever. Like that's the universal spot, um, and that's what you know has been considered like a high spot in wrestling for a long time. Um, but now the new one is you like stop a guy, like give him a kick and then you like turn your back to him and get ready to hit the ropes. So you do the same thing except they're standing, right? So like now they don't have to drop down. They're already standing. All they got to do is fucking hit you with something. So it's the same idea, but it makes a little less sense because they're less incapacitated every once in a while, you know, the guy will kick a guy, then go hit the ropes and come back and clothesline the shit out of him. So it does, you know, but it that doesn't work often enough that you expect that. It's more like, you know, more like the other one too, where you know if a guy takes a tackle and the guy comes off the ropes, he's not just going to hit a leg drop. He's going to, they're going to do drop down leapfrog. It's, you, you always have to be, I mean, you don't have to be because apparently you can just do whatever you want. But I'm just saying, like, you should be thinking of creative ways to get into the same stuff. Uh, it's not that hard. You just think about it for 10 seconds and you'll come up with something. Or maybe you won't. Um, anyway, Heath is with Gia. No music underneath. And he's he is winning the belt, according to him. He's going to win the belt. All right. So thank you very much, Heath. Um, then we get another uh, Dango vignette same as the other one you know with him just saying he, he him playing the part of the the crusty old you know veteran with the you know cigarette in his mouth and the fanny pack and all this stuff so this is this is you know if you like the first time you did this then you'll like this one too did you like this one i did like how he pointed out like the area where they shot them and yet of how te like terrible it is yeah yeah um so yeah there was that um and then we get uh champagne sing versus heath because we just got to get a good we got to get a good strong win for heath if we're going to believe it he's actually a contender for this championship that he claims he's going to win so uh yeah um well Heath gets a wake-up call for the win. I don't really think there's any point in recapping this match too much. Uh, there was only one outcome. You're not going to take a guy that's supposed to be a number one contenders match like Heath and just beat him with the guy that is, you know, kind of does, besides Swinger, does the joke jobs here in the company. So, um, yeah, any thoughts on this whole scenario? Uh, I'm not liking it. Like, what what happened to the whole thing with Singh, Shira, and Macklin? Where'd that go? Nowhere. Perhaps, um, perhaps we pointed out how it was kind of lame, and they decided that they agreed. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> I, I I don't really know. I I I didn't really like it to start with, and they didn't do anything to change my mind in the brief time they were doing it. So. You know, and they didn't take your ideas uh, because it was too late. So, I mean, there's really only one thing to do, and that was throw it in the trash. Boo. Boo. Um, 
or yay design promo uh so <laughs> this is where they're like they're basically they're saying stuff like we're coming for blood you know they're john moxley there's three john moxley's here they're like we're gonna we're gonna come after your family we're gonna take everything from you like that was their you know they're, they're saying all the sinister shit and i'm just like or you could do headlock tackle i mean either way I mean, what, what's it going to be, guys? Are you going to live up to your promises here? Um, you know, if you're going to go after somebody's family, that doesn't happen in the ring. So are we going to send a camera crew to go film a crime again? Or, like, what are we going to do here? Or is it just going to be the design saying stuff backstage again and then headlock tackle? I mean, I don't know. We'll have to watch it against all odds to see. Yep. Ohio sucks, and you do too. <laughs> says Liz. Um, yeah, this whole thing is just so bad. Like, if they had actually built the design as an actual credible threat, and not had them be a bunch of stupid losers who fell for the s- simplest, most by the book ang- angle with Callahan infiltrating them when it was, uh, and this whole setup has just been bad, so bad. Yeah, it's been bad. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, like, maybe Champagne Singh should try to get involved with the the design, and they can just both talk about how lame this is. Um, I don't know. Well, uh, we get uh, Joe Hendry versus Sheldon Jean. Uh, this was uh, was this for the Digital Media Championship? I don't remember. No, but it should have been, because why not? Yeah, I, I guess, it's, why not? Especially if, he, um, especially if, especially if Henry's going over anyway. Exactly. Well, they, they mentioned something about, like, this is the second time they've had a match or something. So, what, was it the title match the first time? I don't know. It, does, it doesn't really matter. This is just essentially, you know, uh, what is this, like a five-minute match or something like that? It didn't last that long. Right, and basically just to set up for the uh, the Dango video and uh, pay off the heat from the broken nose. Right. So so Joe Henry hits a standing O on Sheldon Jean, um, and uh, you know then he call he calls out uh, Dango, and Dango comes out, and then he's like he tells him he know he's he figured out what's been going on, and then uh, he he plays his music video, which is a song about him. You know, getting shot down by Summer Ray and uh, who was the other person? Eva Marie. Eva Marie on Total Divas. And so the song, you know, like I, there's a Divas reject, uh, I guess is what we'll call it. Um, and the best part about this, because this was, you know, like I see this is just Joe Hendry's gimmick and everything. It's not as funny as some of the other stuff that he does. It's actually pretty cringe, but um the the worst part about this whole thing is the way that like so so kenny and kenny king and and sheldon g sit around and just wait for the whole video to play out and then they get in the ring and jump joe entry and start kicking the shit out of him and then dango runs in so like they all sit there and watch this like two minute video and do nothing while this is going on which i i get they want to play the video but um especially considering what happens later uh 
that this this could have been a good opportunity to not sit there with your thumb up your ass and just wait for something to play before you because nothing really happened to kenny king i think he tried to interfere and maybe got like bipped off the apron or something like that there was right. a, it, it's not like you need to be selling for all this if you punch me in the face i'm not going to sit there and watch you play your music video for two minutes and then get in the ring when it's done and start beating you up so that old thing was stupid and then santino comes out and kenny and dango just leave like santino has got in the ring and they just left they left sheldon gene in there but santino didn't like he didn't make a comeback on anybody he, he didn't you know he didn't start throwing punches or anything he just he gets a he gets the cobra out and you know hit sheldon with the cobra but yeah that was kind of well you know i don't know what do you want let's just say this needs a punching up for next week okay this is not this is not good um uh but yeah that that was that that was that unfortunate whole segment so what did you think of this segment what did you think of the divas reject song and video and uh Mm -hmm. do you already are you already Mm -hmm. formulating ideas on how to fix this Oh man, this was this was not Hendry's best. He could have done much better. Uh, yeah, it it did it just did not click at all. And like you said, it it made like Sheldon and Kenny look dumb, just sitting there like, "Oh, we're gonna stand here and watch the video play and not do anything." Yeah, they do look dumb. Well, speaking of looking dumb, uh, the Death Dolls are getting ready, and then uh, we get uh, Giselle Shaw. Like this is a vignette, I think, right? They put they they have like a thing where she says she's you know her her three finishers put uh, Grace out indefinitely because one's enough to beat anybody, but three will put somebody out indefinitely. And now she's coming for Trent and Dion. It was relatively generic, but you know. This is what you can expect from Giselle. Mm. And then we get the Death Dolls versus the Coven. And uh, Coven retain their Knockouts Tag Team Championships in this. Um, I don't have any notes on the match. Yeah. Is there any anything to talk about here? It's kind of baffling why this wasn't on the pay-per-view. Yeah, I don't, uh, I'm not sure not sure you would think this is one that's had a lot more build towards it and you'd put that on that show instead of free tv you know i'm a fan of getting like uh you know when when a pay-per-view has like a it it's going to be too stacked and you've got a lot of matches i'm a fan of like making one a main event for a tv show you know yeah like if you have the go home and it's like well we we couldn't fit this off, but this is kind of like a sneak preview. It's a pay-per-view worthy match that was, the pay-per-view is just too damn stacked and we couldn't fit it on there. So here's this one, you know, and that'll get you excited for, if you like this, you'll love against all odds type deal. So obviously they, if that was some idea they had, they didn't trust these women to pull it off, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you know, so instead they get just like another regular match. Um, 
that did not go that long and nothing special happened. So I I don't know, but you're right. There's no like there's no reason for setting all this stuff up with another dimension and Courtney Rush coming in and this whole weird thing and all this time they spent setting it up and then just meh. This match I don't even know if this match was as long as the Sheldon Jean and uh and Joe Hendry match. I have no idea, but And it was sloppy. Sloppy, huh? Yeah. I couldn't tell you. I was barely paying attention. Uh, I do find it kind of interesting that they have the what like the supernatural occult storyline angle and characters like written like they're written and directed toward children. Well, there's a lot of, uh, you know, there's people are putting a lot of stock in, uh, you got to hook them young, you know, it's been a wrestling tradition for a long time and it's starting to make its way to other, other such things as well. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, whatever it's, it's, a, it. You know, all, th this is the main problem. You have all this shit, you have all this set up, and what's your payoff for it? A fucking regular wrestling match that has nothing to do with any of the stuff that you did. Nobody's teleporting in the ring. Nobody's using any special powers in the ring. Nobody's even casting any witch spells in the ring. It's just a regular match, so why are we wasting our time with all this stuff? Right, this would be like the perfect gimmick and character to do like the, the uh, cinematic matches with. Right, which I also don't want to see, but damn, if you're going to do it, that's the place, or these are the people. Um, is Black Taurus going to turn into a My Little Pony? Yes. When is Crazy Steve going to turn into a regular blind guy? Yes. <laughs> Look, I don't know, all right? Um, what I do know is uh, that we get a uh, Alex Shelley package, uh, in case we weren't sure that Alex Shelley was the greatest wrestler of all time. Uh, here's a package. And uh, he uh, lists all the people that he's influenced over the years. And now it's time for him to be unselfish or to be selfish and do, you know, win the big one for himself or something like that. And then we get uh, Bert with Gia, no music underneath, interrupted by Bully. Uh, and Bully's like, um, you know, you got to you got to worry about me because I'm going to be the number one contender, basically, is what he said. All right. So, thoughts on the greatest wrestler of all time and uh, Bert and Bully here. I hated that Alex Shelley vignette. He came across incredibly arrogant and douchey. Like, I want to see this guy get his ass kicked. Interesting. All right. And how about the Bully development? Do you see any intrigue in this with these two despicable heels uh, that, uh, you know, there's a possibility they're going to have to face each other down the road? Uh, I, before I watched this, I knew the results of against all odds, so it's difficult for me to kind of get into this and this segment. So it just kind of just kind of went over my head. Okay, fair enough. All right, on BTI, Masha beat up two girls with a chain. <laughs> so there you go. If you're not watching BTI, you are missing chain beatings. And uh, I guess this is where she says something about making it a dog collar match, even though they already advertised the dog collar match. So, what, is she just agreeing or, <laughs> like, what? I, that was what I got out of it. She was just, like, saying, I accept the stipulation. 
It didn't look like she had a choice. It looked like the match was already made. But, whatever. Because um, we talked about it last week. So, they had a graphic and everything. <laughs> they had a graphic for the dog collar match as soon as, uh, you know, Kelly had her sexy vignette. So, we're going to get a sexy dog collar match, right? That's... Okay, so I'm glad they got Masha's permission uh, to book her in her match. Um, then we get uh, Trey Miguel versus Bupinder Gujar. Uh, there was a time when you kind of thought they wanted to do something with Gujar. The time is clearly over uh, because Trey Miguel dispatches him with little to no spray paint and, uh, <laughs> and just beats him with the lightning spiral. Um, did he even cheat in this match? I don't remember. He may have done some like dirty underhanded tactics, but like nothing too, like, dirty or nothing too. Painty. Yeah. Okay. Um, but anyway, he grabs the mic and uh, says that everything about his career has been, yeah, but yeah, but so then um, he you know basically says that you know. After uh, after against all odds with Chris Saban, he's gonna you know there's not gonna be any ifs ands or yeah buts. And it was an okay promo, but um, you know, again, if you already know the results somehow, or uh, even like it's almost like a baby faceish promo, which I like, which I like that if you're a heel, like because. In a heel's mind, they are the baby face. So yes, exactly. So that part is not the uh, is not the problem. Um, but uh, it would have it would have been stronger if you know perhaps he more blatantly screwed Gujar out of the win. You know what I mean? Like if if it was just so ridiculous and so cheating, and then he cuts a baby face promo like. You know, why does anybody respect me in my career? You know, like that would have been a, better for a heel, I think. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Now we get uh, Swinger with Gia, no music underneath. And he talks about uh, Zicky uh, being in referee school. So now he's finally going to have one of these people in his back pocket, daddy. That's basically what he's saying here. He makes a lot of references uh, in this. Too many for me to have, like, I as I was like recapping this. Like, I'm usually got like trying to write my notes at the same time as I'm as I'm watching it, and it's like I can't make notes fast enough for all the references that he threw in there. But um, you know, you know what to expect from Swinger at this point. Now, I'm wondering how they how they managed to keep this angle going, and now it's like, oh, get his guy in there as a crooked ref. Right. Um. Well, we'll see. Zicky wasn't here, uh, so he was just referenced. But you know, we, I guess we'll see. Uh, I guess we'll see what happens. Maybe as soon as next week, or later this week, as it happens. Um, then we get Trinity and Deanna, uh, with Gia and music underneath. There is music this time. Uh, and so it's like one of those sit down deals. And, uh, basically they're just saying the generic kind of stuff that you would say. And then Trinity says that you don't have to worry about her until Slammiversary. 
So there you go. There's your intrigue. So the intrigue that you saw Brandon build with his, you know, with his writing of rewriting of last week's show, they didn't do that, but they kind of tried to do a little something here saying, you know, with the Gia and the Z Are you guys going to be on the same page? Yeah. And we saw that they were very much on the same page. At least she didn't say coexist, I don't think. I don't think. Anyway. Um, all right. So stop me if you've heard this one. A moose, a swan, an octopus, and a treasure walk into a main event match. <laughs> uh, yeah. This is your main event tag team match, so it is main event moose. Um, it's, uh, you know, this is just taking a, cup, uh, a couple of each of the participants of the 8-4-1 match at, against all odds and seeing if they can coexist or be on the same page. Uh, it's Moose and Swan versus Jonathan Gresham and uh, Nick Aldis here. So, um, what did you think of this match? And uh, how do you like this as a, uh, you know, as a final, a final look before... Um, against all odds rather than uh anything involving macklin shelley whatever and i liked the concept of this match and what they did in it i thought they should have ended it with the world title okay okay mm, so this would be like your main event match and then maybe finish with a yes a little something between the two guys okay well anything on this match then the stuff with Moose and Swan was pretty good. I like that because it made perfect sense. They would not be able to get along with each other, and Moose just get frustrated and say, "Screw this!" and I'll do it myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Anything else? It was nice to see him go over and look great in it. Yeah, yeah. Moose was great in this match. Like everything he did was great. This is exactly why it's like a validation for why when we talk about Moose, and then maybe some people are just like. I don't know, Moose. And then it's just like, this it goes out there and proves why we're saying what we're saying. Because even though, you know, even when he's not the focus, he will become the focus and make himself the focus. And even if it wasn't designed for him to be the focus, if you're watching him, then you're seeing a lot of stuff that you're not seeing from other people. He's really like, uh, put a little more intensity into the stuff that he's been doing with the screen time that he's had. Like, you know, not to, you know, obviously I would never want to denigrate the great moose, but there are times when, you know, like his stuff doesn't look quite as crisp as it, you know, it, it's not always consistently crisp. Um, but he had like a lot of snap on his stuff and his, his energy and timing were really good in this. Um, just, but, but more so than that, more important than that, him being the, uh, the, the heel here. And like just really being a dick to his partner, you know, like forcefully tagging him in and saying, you get in here and do it or just I'll do it or, you know, just shoving Swan around and everything like that, really building to the finish or whatever. Um, there was a uh, there was a great um, spot where they got a hot tag where they they try to do a victory roll and Swan. um 
what was it? What did he? It was. I feel like there was a victory roll. I, I wrote down victory roll launcher hot tag from Swan. So it was like, I, but I can't remember who did it. I can't remember if he did it to Gresham or Gresham did it to him, but it was like a victory roll and then he jumped out. So like, it might've been, um, it might've been Swan. It sounds like, cause he's got more of the ups for that than Gresham does. I think. Right. So yeah. But anyway, yeah, it was, it was cool. It was a way to get in without making the other guy take a bump. You know, it was like a victory roll rolled through and then he like jumped out made the hot tag and then uh you know so anyway you know finally um moose pins gresham after a power bomb um and then of course as you would know uh if you've ever watched wrestling before of course all the participants of the 841 match have to come out um and get their shit in and pco almost died again uh and uh, i thought he almost died here but oh man wait till against all odds so, um, so yeah, we go off the air with some, a little bit of chaos and whatever. So, I don't know. Maybe that was more exciting than whatever Macklin and Shelley would have done. Even though, you know, Alex Shelley is just the bastion of charisma, you know, and, and I'm sure he could talk people into the, into the seats and into ordering the pay-per-view. So... That was that. That was a go home show. What do you know? Uh, like you think it's uh think it's a good go home show? What would you give it out of ten? Probably a four. Four out of ten for the go home. Well, what are we going home to? We, we work so hard on. all day. <laughs> we work hard all day, and we sweat, and we break our backs, and we come home. What do we get? Against all odds. That's the. Against all odds, if you're if you're going by the traditional, uh, you know, misogynistic uh, wife better have dinner on the table when I get home from work type of thing, and that being a good pay per view, then this was the equivalent of uh, she decided to go out to the club tonight and she left you a TV dinner. Um, that's what you came home to. If if this is the go home show for Against All Odds, Brandon, did you get to watch Against All Odds? I did. Oh my goodness. It's always a, the odds are always 50, 50 that Brandon will have seen the show. So, all right. The house, the house does not win tonight. Um, it's got a TV dinner, uh, defrosting in the sink, but it's not, uh, <laughs> it did not win. Um, all right. Well, we are going to, uh, we are going to start with the countdown as we're joined uh, by Todd Brantley and Scott Woodford. Um, careful putting up Scott Wood for his comments as his sexiness has been known to end streams prematurely. So, mm -hmm. oh God, take it down, take it down, take it down. Mm -hmm. um, so, yes. Uh, the countdown. Uh, we get uh, Kylan King versus Nevaeh. Remember Nevaeh? No? The name sounds Kyle. familiar. Yeah, I knew she was there. I've seen a few matches other than that. I don't remember much. I'm pretty sure Nevaeh is like a, like a facial care product or some some kind of cream, or some soap or something like that. But apparently, it's also a wrestler. So, sounds like some sort of like since skincare cream or something. Yeah, I don't know. Steve <laughs> says, "Is the is it at least a hungry man? A whole pound of food men love." Yep. Remember that Booker T commercial? 
Uh, it's not great. It's so good. So good. Um, mm, yeah, not. Beefy. <laughs> is that it? Is that was that what it was? Is uh, no. You know what? I actually prefer, to a, to a cold hungry man. I, I would prefer. I would prefer a can of beefaroni. I think. <laughs> so shout outs to Mick Foley, mankind. Um, no shout outs to this match. Mm. Just, there's not much here. Oh wait, yeah, Booker did do a beefaroni thing because remember he did this. Uh, Spin a Rooney and call it a beef Rooney. Oh yeah. Well, I had forgot. I mostly remember the hungry man where he like kicks the door down and <laughs> wife's like, "Hi, honey, how was work?" He's like, "You know, a few body slams, the usual." I'm starving. What's for dinner? Like that. <laughs> That's great. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right. So, yeah, King wins here. Nothing really much to say. It's just a regular match. I'm not sure what was going on here, but is Nevaeh like a a Columbus, Ohio local? I don't know. Yes. (laughs) Todd Brantley and Elizabeth let me know. That's Nivea. Uh, Yeah, I'm thinking of that. No, what I'm thinking of is a joke, but, you know, there you go. Um, Work yourself into a shoot, brother. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) All right, then Santino comes out for commentary on Dango versus Hendry for the Digital Media Championship. So here we go. Um, and uh, we get, uh, you know, they replay the uh, Divas Reject video in case you missed it. So you missed the free show, but you paid for this to see this. Well, I guess this is still free since it's on the Countdown show. Um, and again, Dango sits there and watches the whole thing. He just sits there and watches it. Um, so there you go. And then they get in there and they have a match. And again, it's a regular match. And Hendry retains in a regular match. No dot combat, no nothing. Just a regular match. No shenanigans. Joe Hendry wins. That's it. End of angle. I better not ever see these two in a ring again because this wasn't even fucking close. This wasn't even... This didn't even give you the inkling of an idea that Dango could beat this guy. So we're done here. Okay. Um, any, any thoughts on that? No. Nah. They should have done something with it. Like maybe put the, maybe put the belt on Dango. Okay. I mean, yeah. That would have been a good, that would have been something funny because to go with his like cranky, you know, old timer character to have to, you know, have the digital media championship would give you a chance to run down more things about social media and how, you know, it's ruined wrestling and all this other stuff, even though as you're the digital media champion, you know, but it would, it would fit his character too. But now, nah. and Joe Hendry's not doing shit with it either. Nobody's doing anything with this digital media championship. So we're ready for the main card now. Um, and we're going to open up with uh, Frankie Kazarian versus Fat Eddie. Um, so you get your basic wrestling match. Uh, sort of personal, but not really. Uh, it's just two guys that kind of have a little bit of a beef and they're going to settle it in a professional manner. So, yeah. 
Uh, Lish gets ejected, um, possibly on purpose, because she. It's a uh, it's a spot where, um, you know, Eddie's in trouble, and she grabs his foot and puts it on the ropes and full view of the referee and he just kicks her out so like maybe she was like this is my one chance to get something to eat uh so she purposely gets ejected goes in the back gets to catering raids the fridge whatever whatever she can get her hands on goes through people's bags looking for protein bars whatever it is um this is her moment so she possibly got ejected on purpose uh, and then the guys do the SummerSlam 92 finish where Frankie Kazarian folds Eddie up and pins him. So, there you go. What'd you think, Brandon? Was this a solid opener? I mean, a solid opener. Um, I mean, yeah, not much more beyond that. All I mean, right. you, got, you got two guys who have been in the business forever. They know what they're doing. Usually. Usually. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um... Bye, right. Alicia. Bye, Alicia. Um, Scott Scott Wolfer says, I was there. That's why she left. <laughs> uh, so, Jacobs, uh, Jimmy Jacobs is with, the, is with Team Aldis, Survivor Series style. They're doing their, their thing on the Aldis gets his own interview set thing, but they got all four guys here. They kind of pass the mic around. When it gets to Bully, he's like, you guys just listen to me. I'm a, a million time tag team champion. I know how to win these things. If you trust me, I will get you to that fatal four way and blah, blah, blah. So just do what I say out there and then go on with the trust fest. And then, uh, yeah. Uh, to answer Todd's question, she turned heel. I want to say a few months ago when she was the driver, she was the one driving the vehicle that ran over uh, PCO. Yes. In a, in a reveal that surprised absolutely zero people. It was actually a very soft reveal. I don't think they ever had one of those moments like, I was the driver. It was just... It was just weird. like, it was like, oh, it had to have been her. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it me. All right. I like what they're doing with Bully, though, where he's kind of like doing the heel where he tells you exactly what, you're, what he's going to do and what his intentions are and what's going on in his head right to you. Which is interesting because, like, in the terms of psychology, it's like you, when, it's, when the heel does that, the babyface doesn't really know what to think. Like, is mm-hmm. is they are they telling me the truth or are they trying to screw with me? Right. Yeah, I do like that. Here's what I don't like. Uh, why does this guy have a job? <laughs> Should have been fired 20 times since he's been there. Um. So we get a package and then uh, the good hands with their typical entrance promo of Meyer saying something and then another guy saying something about the town uh, versus ABC. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, it's about as like whatever you picture in your mind that this match could have been, that was it. That's what happened. Um, my notes are the uh the baby faces uh tag first on what i guess approximated a hot tag it wasn't very hot but like it was the only spot in the match where you know you were waiting for a guy to come in and make a comeback so they made sure to ruin that by like <laughs> getting the hot tag first and then the heel tagging out uh just very very bad not something a somebody that's whole gimmick is they're a good hand which means 
They should know what to do at all times, and even if they don't get the glory, they should facilitate having at least a good match or making the other people look good. I mean, if we're going with that, and they don't even know how to execute a hot tag properly in a tag team match, so I guess that's out the window for their gimmick, but, um, you know, regardless, they hit that, whatever they do, they hit both their finishers, so Ace Austin folds up one of these two, uh, you know, typical indie guys with the carrot haircut and the tights with the belt and the kick pads and the, the beard. Like, he gets folded up and uh, beat. So, ABC retains the uh, Impact Tag Team Championships. What did you think of this? It was an alright match. I mean, didn't really do anything. Just another team for ABC to go over. Yep. And there are very, very few of those. And as it is, the tag division is whack. So, yes, it's like they got nothing there and nothing uh, more like the not so good hands. Am I right? Says Todd Brantley. Yeah, that's even that's a little nice. I'd say the bad hands is adequate. That'd be a good descriptor. Hmm. How um, about the, the jazz hands, the jazz hands. They're as annoying as jazz hands. Uh, they're as cliched as jazz hands. Uh, Trinity and Deanna are with Gia. No music underneath. She asks if they're going to be on the same page. And Trinity's like, well, we got the matching gear, so obviously. <laughs> All right. Question answered. Very nice. They got matching gear. Um, package then. It's time for the sexy dog collar match. It's different than a regular dog collar match because this one's sexy. Um, not as sexy as Scott Woodford, but still, it's, they're doing their best. Um, <laughs> good hands look like 2.0 off of Wish. I don't know. You could just throw your, uh, you could just you could throw a coin in the air and see which one's the Wish version. Um. All right, so this dog collar match. Uh, actually nothing too crazy in this. Um, it was good back and forth between Masha and Kelly. Uh, they were selling stuff rather than just moving on to the next thing. Um, Masha really is good at, uh, slowing things down, I guess. Like she doesn't rush from one thing to another. If she's in kind of, I, I assume she's kind of driving the car here. Uh, because, um, that's just how it, that's just how it felt based on how the match played out. And it felt like Kelly was like, right, no problem. I'll follow wherever you lead me to. Right. Like she Literally, was like, because they're chained at the <laughs> neck. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah. So, I mean, we're going to see another match with garbage in it later and this could have easily turned into that. But for some reason, I don't know what it is, because I don't think they teach this in uh, Johnny Rods' school. Um, but when Masha's in that ring, she seems very comfortable doing things and making things make sense. So she's applying whatever she's learned to even matches that are normally stuff that I just roll my eyes at. Like when I see you're putting two women in a dog collar match. I'm sorry. I can't help but roll my eyes at the thought of that or what I'm going to have to watch. And this is probably the best match on the show, to be honest. Um, because it did sort of show you, they used the chain uh, 
but they didn't do it like i said anything crazy with the chain uh so i i liked it um masha wins after wrapping the, the chain around uh kelly's face a bunch of times the face neck and head and whatever and uh giving her the snowplow with it and then um you know when she finally wakes back up she sort of uh masha kind of like she gives kelly an endorsement of sorts i guess is how you would call it she kind of uh just licks her hand and then like i don't know puts the puts like a puts like a cross on her forehead or something and then and then takes the unhooks the chain and tosses it on the ground and walks out so kelly's kind of like she loves me she really loves me and you know she's got that look on her face yeah after this match i'm completely convinced they're going to be a tag team yeah that you were you've been saying that and this was like definitely on that path like it felt like it was on that path so right like this is where like kelly like earned masha's respect right and um like we were talking about the men's tag team division the women's tag team division is even worse so they need somebody to you know take on the coven right and having these two as just two ass kickers would be nice All right, let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. Um, well, I'll tell you what happens on this show. We get another package, and then we get the uh, Motor City Machine Guns with Gia and no music underneath. Um, Shellens. Uh, Shellens. Yes, Shellens. Uh, Alex freaking Shellens is wearing the leather jacket with the fur, the fur collar, just like a certain someone, a certain world heavyweight champion that we all know. Um, and, uh, yeah, they say some generic shit and then we get the X division title match of Chris Saban versus Trey Miguel. Um, Trey Miguel is behind to start, but he almost catches up. And of course I'm talking about his uh, spray paint (laughs) entrance and not so much the match yet. Uh, but, um, yeah, that was weird. Um, then we get, uh, okay. So the story of this match here that these guys do is that they are using the signature moves of past X division champions to try to win here. So whether that, you know, whether that's a lethal combination from Jay lethal or whatever, they're, they're pulling out other people's playbook moves to try to win. So, um, which, Todd Brantley asks, which women's tag team division is in worse shape right now? Impact or WWE? Impact, easily. They don't even have a division. WWE's tag team division is just undercooked and poorly booked, but they have enough women that they can have a real division with. Impact is just, they've been throwing people together and hoping that something can stick. And I wouldn't call it a division. It's, it's almost like they make a team whenever they need challengers exactly you know? yes or they pull pull one from like nwa or something yeah and then this last team that they made they didn't even just just so it wasn't um you know rosemary and havoc for the fifth or excuse me jessica uh just because so it wasn't rosemary and jessica for the fifth time they changed rosemary's gimmick to courtney rush so it seems like it's a new tag team but that that's what they're that's the level they're at WWE's got a bunch of people that are just sitting on the sidelines not getting used. 
you know so it's not it's not that there is no division it's just they refuse to use one but i've already talked about this on multiple shows like the tag team division across the board in wrestling is absolutely terrible nobody has a good tag team division the most you could say is probably like the nwa because they just had the crockett cup recently but even that you know like they're gonna they gotta invite outside people and stuff just to have a tournament it's not it's not good tag team divisions are not good and tag team wrestling is not good right now but anyway we're talking about the x division right now uh which also sucks but um anyway so like i was saying they're using other guys moves um trey mcgill tries to paint in the eyes doesn't quite work out this time because chris saban you know goes out makes his way outside eventually and washes it off with a bottle of water um and then uh he comes back in the ring hits the styles clash uh for two and then he hits the clothesline from hell michigan as he calls it uh and a cradle shock and one two three for a flat ass finish this was the most one of the more flat finishes i've seen in a long time where the guy was like trey miguel was on top with the cheating and then the guy literally just went outside the ring washed his eyes off and came back in and fucked him up <laughs> like they, it was if, if they would have went with like finish it with the uh they catch him with the first can and then he pulls the second one out at the that he had well the first can was a diversion then he pulls the second can out and went over with that that would have worked would have worked um and i don't even mind like look put the belt on chris saban i don't care but when you pull the spray paint out that's the high spot for the heel so if they don't win after that that means they got to lose after that and this like he sh he shut the whole thing down by like countering he countered trey miguel blind like he was he i don't remember exactly how they got into it but he he had him up on the top rope and in like a like in a fireman's carry and i thought he was going to do the cradle shock off the top which he should have he should have just done it right there he should have won blind <laughs> like he should have won with blinded because it's chris saban that's essentially goldberg 98 you could do whatever you want nothing can stop him so why not just blind him completely and have him beat you anyway what's wrong with that that's way better than to, in my opinion and i'm not even being that sarcastic it's way better than okay so he picks him up and then what he does is he jumps down and like drops trey miguel on oh, the yeah, top that top was buckle. okay that, so that's so unsafe right very unsafe but whatever at least trey miguel is in control of himself at that point so even though it's uncomfortable he can safely take the bump as long as he knows what's coming and is ready then um he uh he goes while while trey miguel is selling that he goes outside gets the bottle of water washes it out of his eyes then goes back in the ring. Um, Trey Miguel tries something, and that's when he gets hit with the Styles Clash. He kicks out on two. Then clothesline, pick him up, cradle shock. One, two, three. That's terrible. It should have been. He either should have hit the cradle shock off the top with the paint still in his eyes, or um, just skip skip the... Uh, skip the... Uh, uh what do you call it the the styles clash altogether 
um, and just have Trey Miguel miss something and hit him with the cradle shock. But the heels got to get back up one point before the babyface eventually wins. There has to be that moment where you feel like the babyface is in jeopardy of losing and then he pulls it out. The dip. Yeah, the dip. I was avoiding using the word because I didn't want to use too much technology or terminology, but yes, the dip, there's gotta be a dip where the heel gets back on top and then countered. So they didn't have that. It was just all Chris Saban at the end and it just made Trey Miguel look bad. Didn't give him an out. Nothing. So flat finish, uh, nine time X division champion Goldberg 98. I mean, Chris Saban. So, Brandon, what did you think of this whole this whole match, all this stuff? Was it the right move to put the belt on Chris Saban? Um, had Trey Miguel done everything he could do? Just just your general thoughts on this whole situation, please. I like the idea of them using finishers from previous exhibition champions because they did the whole thing of, of uh, they're talking about Trey disrespecting the lineage and the legacy of the exhibition, so that made sense. But I think he still he still should have went over. He still should have went over Trey after the second spray can or the, the first spray can is a diversion pulled out the second one and have him go over after that with him looking like he still got one over on Saban and makes him look like even more of a dastardly heel. Okay. So even though um, we have the finish we have in the main event, you would still book that. I wouldn't book the finish in the main event the way we did. But if we did like, let's say that's your, that's your call. This match is your call, and that match is their call. Now what? Do you put Chris Saban over, or do you keep Trey Miguel on top? You could if you're going to Saban versus Shelley. Then you can pull up, go to the, go back to the well of Saban or Shelley won his match. Saban didn't feel that animosity and that jealousy. Okay. Right. Also, it gives you as the viewer some doubt on Alex Shelley. Like, well, Chris Saban didn't get it done. If Goldberg can't get it done, how the hell is, you know, friggin', I don't know what his WCW <laughs> in the 90s analogy would be in this situation. Scott Hall? I don't know. Steiner? <laughs> yeah, may maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Not sure. Um, Labrat says these young new champs need a chance too, Brandon. Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Chris so, Saban got his first X Division title when he was a member of the faction known as Sports Entertainment Extreme. It's a long time ago, guys. It's a long time ago. Well, he's got another one now. So there you go. Um, the match was fine. You know, like I just, that finish sucked. Like the, the finish was flat. So there you go. Okay. Package. Then the eight, four, one match. Uh, it's moose. It's rich swan. It's speedball. Mike Bailey in his first match back in impact and PCO on one side versus bully Ray, Jonathan Gresham, Heath, and, uh, the national treasure, Nick, all this, um, so I'm pretty sure you remember how on the uh, on the skirmish of uh, the go home show PCO does that like that low tope thing 
where he like kind of like cannonballs out of the ring under the rope or whatever. Um, and like he almost landed on his head outside the ring. Well, this time he hit his head on the apron. He didn't even get to flip all the way over. He just hit his head on the apron and bounced and flipped over. So he's getting worse. And that's kind of what I was noticing. It's what I've been noticing, but even watching this match, I'm seeing it even more. Like he looks like he's having a little more of a struggle just walking around or getting around the ring. Um, he's still taking all the same bumps, but they all look dangerous, even more so than usual. They look out of control. I'm worried that somebody else is going to get hurt. Like on any of these things where they got to catch him, he's not going to be where he should be. Like if you're doing a spot where you're jumping through the ropes and flipping and some guys are going to catch you, they're expecting you to be at a certain height, coming at a certain angle or whatever when you do that. And if they have to try to adjust themselves to like protect you from dying, they might get hurt. Like they could t tweak their knee, roll their ankle or worse. So, and it makes it look bad because why would you run and go run towards the guy instead of letting him fall and hurt himself? Exactly. Everything about it sucks. So, any case, the match was the match. Um, Moose was in it, so that's all I was really watching the whole time. I just watch Moose, even when he's just standing on the apron. I'm watching Moose. I don't really care about anybody else. Um, uh, the finish is for this part of the match, anyway. He spears. He's he like he he's trying to spear Jonathan Gresham, who's like going back and forth. Like they're sw standing switches with uh with Rich Swan, and Moose spears Rich Swan after one of the switches, so he he spears the wrong guy, and then he's like, oh well, and then he goes to spear Jonathan Gresham, and Gresham sidesteps, and he goes flying out of the ring, and then Gresham just pins Rich Swan, who is just speared by Moose, and then that brings us to the four way match. So now you got, uh. What is this? You got Bully, Gresham, Heath, and all this. That's that's what Bully said was going to happen, even though he had nothing to do with the finish or deciding the match, but he still said, trust me, I'll do it. And then he's like, they start out the match by everybody running a train on him and beating the <laughs> shit out of Bully, which that is exactly how I would have said you should do it. Um, they even did the uh, was up spot where everybody held a leg and uh, Jonathan Gresham came off the top with the headbutt. And that was the most personality I've seen Gresham show ever in a match. Yeah. Like it, like they cut like the camera shots from the back of his head, and you could tell he was having fun with it, even from the back of his head. Right. Um so there you go. Uh and then later on in the match, you know, they do some stuff. Who cares? Uh later on in the match, Bully's gonna use this chair, and all of a sudden Scott Demore walks out. Uh he grabs the chair out of Bully's hands. Um, and, uh, Bully's like, you're not going to hit me cause you don't have the balls. And then he hits him with his uh, back turned, like Bully turns his back as if to say like, I, you have so few balls that I can turn my back and you won't hit me. And Scott Demore hits him. Um, and then, uh, you know, eventually somehow that works into where Heath gets in the cloverleaf from all this and taps out. So all this wins the four way match. He is the number one contender. And there you go. So, thoughts on this whole intriguing concept of 841? It seems like every month they try to pull out like a brand new type of like number one contenders matches. 
put stuff together, just like whatever they can pull out of their butt. Yes. Yes, they do. And what'd you think of this one? I mean, it was interesting. It was different. It's, I don't know. This was, I thought it was one of their better, better ideas. This is one of those ones where the character work is more important than what actually happens in the match. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Like, like when you have the odd couple partners. Right. Um, and I thought Bully and Moose did a great job in that role. Yes. Uh, so, I mean, the main point was that we know who our number one contender is for Slamversary. I didn't really think there'd be too much doubt that it would be Nick Aldis, but, you know, that could that could shine a light on maybe the long-term plans um, because they're not really taking their time with it. He said he'd be willing to work from the bottom up, but that's just what his character's saying. Maybe he's like, nah, about right now. <laughs> so, you know, here we go. We'll see what's going to happen, but that's uh that's what's set for now um i don't know if anybody else is really left with anything obviously bully and scott demore are gonna be you know they're they're gonna have a match it's gonna happen it's probably gonna happen at slammiversary it's probably gonna be bully ray versus scott demore in a match at slammiversary of some kind you know like you know just most people would just be like i'm sorry you're fired that's it <laughs> i'm not dealing with you anymore but not pro wrestling, baby. You know? You imagine, like, if, like, uh, you know, what, I don't know. Who's, who's the who's the Major League Baseball commissioner? I don't even fucking know. I don't know anymore. But, like, imagine if somebody just hit him with a baseball, one of the players hit him with a baseball bat. And was just like, you know, how dare you find me for whatever spitting on an umpire i don't know what do, what do baseball players do these days i don't know baseball's lame so i don't really watch it anymore but the point is if you saw if you saw like a player attack the commissioner that player is not gonna be like oh i'll show you every time every time that uh you're up to bat i'm gonna i'm gonna have the uh you know, I'm going to have the opposing team put in their, their closer or whatever and strike you out. Like, no. <laughs> no, dude. You only get one strike instead of three strikes. Like, what? no. That's not what happens. The guy gets fined, suspended, or kicked out of the league. That's it. And probably some charges pressed. Right. So if you don't want to... If you don't want to go that route, then you just scale back the heels actions to where it's not fireable. You know, you make him somebody that people don't like, but didn't technically do anything illegal or, you know, whatever. But once you've, once you've assaulted multiple people that you have no business assaulting or non-wrestlers, then you're just not you don't get to work there anymore they made it they it's not like he's drawing some kind of huge numbers <laughs> it's not it's not like bully ray is packing these these small ass uh, venues to the rafters okay these are like glorified vfws you know they're like bars like the fucking that 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 place in toronto that looked cool is like basically a converted bar or club you know these aren't arenas here. 
So don't act like Bully Ray means anything to this product. You could fire him and not lose any money. The reason they, they gave for Vince McMahon not firing Steve Austin was that he sold too much merchandise and made the company too much money. So that made they sense. Say, and they said that on air too. He makes me too much money. I don't want him as my champion, but he makes me too much money. Right. So I'll just make him miserable, you know? Because if he loses the championship, he's still going to make money. So I just won't have to pay him as much. Like that's that's the that's the theory, right? But it's still stupid, but it makes more sense. So like whatever. Javi says he thinks it's Jack Tunney. He's the commissioner. The deceased former WWF president is the commissioner of Major League Baseball now. All right. So well, that would explain a lot. Um. Anyway, so yeah. So Gia tracks down Burt Macklin to ask if anything changes now that Nick Aldis is the number one contender whatever he said basically amount to no it doesn't he boringly said that nothing changes all right then we get a package and then we get uh giselle shaw and savannah evans versus diana parazzo and trinity uh and uh yeah this um this was a match it's actually started out okay and then it fell apart um this was like one of those ones where i was like watching it somewhat you know focused on this um the people were constantly out of position there was multiple um chances for like the heels to kind of cheat and get some heat and they just didn't do it like there was a part where giselle kind of took uh i want to say it was was it well it doesn't matter who she took one of them over to the corner and like was like choking her and then the ref bolt pulled her off and then savannah evans just stood there doing nothing while the referee was sort of drawn and the referee didn't stay drawn so she just went right back to looking at the other person instead of like and it was that i'm pretty sure it was that tall lady ref so you know you, you you're not the heels aren't really making the most of their opportunities but besides that everything was just like everybody was slightly out of position slightly sloppy um not so much yeah, I don't, I don't know. It just wasn't, it didn't, it, there was, there was an unnecessary second set of heat, you know, like they had to make sure that both of the baby faces got a comeback in this. And I don't think that was necessary considering the length of the match and what they were going to do. Um, just like the X division match, the finish came out of nowhere and was flat. It almost looked like Deanna Parazzo felt this match was the shits and just decided to end it on the fly. Like, <laughs> Cause all she did, she, she did like one of those like Mahishraw cradles on Savannah Evans and just pinned her. And it's like, that's, that's not a move that you would use to pin Savannah Evans. That's not a move that you would call at that point in the match. That's not a move I've ever seen Deanna Parazzo win with. So it's almost just like, she's like, fuck it. Let's just go home. This sucks before somebody gets hurt. Let's go home. It's, it's almost like that. It, it felt like that. I could be overanalyzing it, but it, it, nothing about this felt like it was clicking after the first maybe two minutes it just went off the rails i think i don't know if it was anybody's fault it could have just been one of those things where it just, it just didn't, didn't get on track yeah it just didn't get on track or whatever um but uh yeah so there's a there's a um afterwards between diana and trandy there's this moment where like they try to get the beat down on uh they try to get the beat down on Deanna afterwards, of course. 
and Trinity had been taken out at that point. Yeah, that's what it was. I remember now how they got into it because, you know, they did a thing where it looked like Diana would have wanted to tag Trinity, but they she's not. She was going for the tag. There, she was like busy doing her own thing, and then uh, Giselle went around and like pulled Trinity off the apron, and Trinity took a bump. You know, and then it was shortly after that that Diana got the cradle pin. So it was like, what, what is the point? You know, like, why'd you knock her off the apron? It was just so she would be selling when they started kicking the shit out of Deanna. That's why they did it. So it was like three on one versus Deanna with Jay and Savannah and Giselle beating her up. And then Trinity comes back in and clears them out. And then they both clean house and then they're left there. And Deanna goes for the handshake and Trinity looks at it for a second, but then she gives her the handshake and pulls her in for the hug and then they do some booty shaking and then they get out of there. So so if you want to see uh, Deanna shake her booty, there you go. Thoughts? They just, they continue to make Shaw and that group look like a complete non-factor. They When was the last time they won a match was... And the last time I can remember any of them won a mat, went over in a match was when Jay went over Swinger. Hey, I'll take it. They just seem like such a non-threat and just, I don't know, and this is an opportunity to give them a wink. You had the whole thing where they could have the miscommunication with uh, Deanna and Trinity to set up, put more heat on their match leading up to Slammiversary. Well, they didn't do that. They're friends. And they shake their booties. So there you go. What would you give uh what would you give Deanna's little booty shake out of ten? I'll give it an eight. Eight? Okay. Alright. Now speaking of booty, uh we get a package and then mm-hmm. um our our match with the design versus uh OVE in a street fight. Um and their their third partner ends up being Madman Fulton, who looked like he was in great shape. Hmm. Yeah, he also looked like a professional wrestler. Uh, whereas, um, the design all came in like street clothes, like with jeans, and uh, you know they they look dressed for the bunkhouse stampede in this. Uh, but you know, the the OVE guys were wearing their wrestling gear, so geniuses. Um, now in Callahan's defense, none of the stuff he wears looks like wrestling gear anyway. So he would show up like this, but I think Chris had those tights with the belt. You know, he should be a member of the good hands. Uh, so yeah. So Fulton was so excited to be back that he almost, he he tried to get in the ring before they could do their pose on the apron. Like they were supposed to stand on the apron and do the thumbs up, thumbs down. And like right when they all got up there, he started to like put his leg in the ring and then he he got back out because he forgot he had to do the pose. That's how excited he was. Um, you know, so this is your typical garbage match. Uh, not only did they use garbage, but it was garbage. It's just guys hitting each other with stuff and whatever. It's the same stuff you always see. Yep. Oh, except this one, there was a Jake Chris had like a barbed wire wrapped rolling pin. And he had Diener on the outside, and he took that rolling pin, and he just rolled it down the back of his shirt. And it was never used again. 
Lame. Uh, Callahan wins with a pile driver on Diener, so. With this holding a man's shoulders to the mat for three seconds, I hope that this blood feud is finally over. There's no coming back after a person has held you down for three seconds. You really just can't even show your face anymore. You know, especially after all that stuff that you said about coming for blood and coming to take a man's family and, you know, take everything from him, like... Uh, you know that that's what they promised they they promised possible kidnappings and robberies and maybe even implied some murder because we know he's capable of it we still haven't seen eric young uh so all that but sammy gave you a wrestling move and held you down for three seconds so sorry just you're done that's it we're through. Case closed. That's all I can say. What do you have to say? Uh, this is whole thing is just a wait, lame waste of time. Yeah. What did this do for, uh, you know, like you were saying, what does this do for the design? Does it never, do, does never nothing won a significant for, match. Doesn't do anything for anybody. It got Madman Fulton back. <laughs> so I don't know man I don't know Lab Rat says Sammy looking like Bundy and like uh, like uh, Ernie the big cat lad used to say you're stealing from the man Sammy <laughs> but um yeah, I leave these type of matches to Masha Slamovich, in my opinion, and I don't know, Sammy Callahan can get a job as, like, I don't know, a beanbag chair or something. Whatever whatever he would do. I wouldn't want to sit on him, but he might get, he might contract something. might become a worse wrestler if you sit on if you sit on the sammy beanbag i don't know man i i i i just don't know i don't know who likes this who likes this who is hyped for this match like even among impact fans like who was sitting there i gotta watch one of these like um i gotta i gotta like i gotta like sign up for like one month for like the impact plus thing and watch the uh, pay-per-view on YouTube live, even though that's never going to happen. But like I can go back and watch the replay, I guess. And I want to see what the people are saying in the comments, like when it's live happening, like I want to see what people are saying and then write some of them down and, and bring them on the show. So I can show you what marks they are, but like who could have been happy with this, even amongst all the other like, you had a chain match on the show, which I know that's a little bit different than this. A dog collar match is a little different than this. Plus, it was sexy. So, there's that. But, like, you know, they did a better version of this type of match. And when Masha has done these type of matches, they were better, more psychology-based versions of these type of matches. So, you know, at this point, I would just be like, you know what? She can do that. I'll just do something else. I don't know. 
But yeah. And then we're here now. It's we get a package, and then we get the uh, the main event. It is uh, Alex Shelley versus Burt Macklin. I'd like to remind you all that you can get your Yup T-shirt at uh, shopimpact.com. Much like all of the uh, the Rock shirts in the '90s, uh, it's just a black shirt with the big white letters Yup and a period. So if that's how you want to spend your 20 bucks or whatever it costs between 20 and 30 dollars you want to buy a yup t-shirt and have everybody look at you and be like what's that then shopimpact.com so brandon i'll watch this match because unlike you um alex shelley's vignette from the the go home show of impact inspired me. I mean, he talked about all these great wrestlers that he had a hand in helping to create. And I was like, you know what? I talk a lot of shit. I should show some respect and I should watch Alex Shelley because this is his moment and I should be here for it. I shouldn't just be on my phone while he's on the screen. I shouldn't just be like, you know, off to the side reading the internet or comics or playing a video game or do whatever I do that I want to do whenever he shows up. Like, I should actually watch his match. And as a 20-year veteran, I should see what he brings to this table when he's going to win the championship. Because like you, I saw the results uh, before I watched the match. So I already knew. So I was like, all right, I'm going to be, I'm going to watch this match. I'm going to try to be as objective as possible and watch this match. And maybe I have been unfair. And I'm here to tell you that perhaps I have not been unfair enough because when I watched this match, what I saw was the same Alex Shelley that I've always seen the one that drove me to be on my phone or reading the internet or playing video games or whatever other things I might be doing folding laundry whatever whatever's more interesting when he's on the screen all those years ago that I already made my mind up to make me like this and I had thought maybe just like when you come back to something that you haven't visited in a while and revisit it. You have like a new appreciation for it. You know, like maybe you had saw a piece of art you weren't ready to see as a young person, but now as an older person, you can see this movie or this, you hear this song or whatever. And it means something more to you now that you're older and have more experience or whatever the case may be. Or in the case of an artist, you can see how they've grown and how they've, you know, how they've matured and how their work has has changed for the better and improved and evolved, you know. But when I watch this match, I see the same old things that I've always seen. And the only difference is that Alex Shelley looks a little older in the face. That's the only difference between what I'm seeing now. Like, these exaggerated facial expressions that he does, like any time that something happens... It, or or like the body language that he uses like where he's constantly like he's 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 doing this thing and making this face or 
like you know like brushing his hair or, or whatever like he's doing to like to let people hey like hey i'm doing something i'm 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 not just sitting here i'm i'm doing something i'm moving i'm 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 excited i'm hyped up i want you people to get hyped up i'm looking at the crowd making the 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 big stupid face you know like it's almost like a, a parody of pro wrestling or pro wrestler remember how when you were like a kid and you and your friends would like joke wrestle around and stuff and you'd you'd like give each other like the big fake elbow drop or whatever you know like that's what watching alex shelley is like it's like he never grew up from being that kid who was parodying pro wrestling not that when he's doing the moves that he looks like that, but it's everything else. Like, as people call it, the in-between. You know, like they, like when he's walking around or whatever, he looks like he's making fun of pro wrestling. He looks like it's not like a serious contest. At no point do I ever feel like he's ever taking this shit seriously. It just feels like he's goofing around and waiting to get to the next shit. Um, he never really sells believably. You know, like when, when Macklin is trying to like put some heat on him or whatever, he's selling like it's cartoonish, like again, with the exaggerated facials and he doesn't sell for long, which that's not really selling, you know, like if you, there, there comes a point where the heels got to get over at some point and you got to think, oh shit, this guy's in trouble now, you know, like that's the idea of a, of a, a standard pro wrestling match. So Alex Shelley should be like basically really beat down and looking like he's struggling to stay alive, let alone I'm just going to take a move from Steve Macklin and stay down for a couple of seconds and then I'm going to get back up and do a counter. You know, like that's not selling. That's just, you're just waiting for your turn. You know, like I'm not, he, he, he has a chance to, he has a chance to like help to make, you know, you know, Steve here, like he has a chance, even if he's going over, he's got a chance to like, he's got, because even though he's saying like, he's helped enough people, that's in a kayfabe sense of like, you could still say that, like you're, you're talking about the baby faces that you either inspired or coached or whatever, whatever it was, you know, but like, in a in a shoot sense in a shoot sense you still have to make your opponent in the match especially if you're going over you got to make it seem like you really beat somebody you got to make it seem like you overcame the odds you got to make it seem like this guy i escaped uh with this win um, by the skin of my teeth and this match made macklin look basically like a joke made it look like he should have never been the champion you know, like he didn't sell any of Macklin's shit, really. You know, and like I said, taking the move and staying down is not selling. It's like, it's, you have to take the move, stay down, and make the people believe that you're legitimately in trouble or hurt by what he's doing. And you got to let Steve Macklin stay on top for quite a while. You know, you, you don't just keep getting up and doing hope spots and fighting back and everything like that. That's, that's not like a main event level move and maybe this works in tag team wrestling for you but it's not the way it's supposed to be done really so with all that being said you're not showing real respect for your opponent because you're not putting his shit over 
and you're going over anyway. So you basically took 60% of the match and you went over and it made it seem like, yeah, of course. Why wouldn't he go over? He said he was the greatest wrestler who ever lived and he is. He didn't even, he didn't even break a sweat beating Macklin. I'm surprised he didn't fucking have Macklin tap out. Like the way the match was going, I was like, you know, why don't you, st- why don't you just have him tap out? He basically stopped short of putting a foot on his chest. Like, and I'm not saying that Macklin is some guy that deserves, you know, that, that sort of a treatment or that he's had some kind of glorious championship run or, or something that that's worth protecting. I don't really care. It doesn't matter what happens to Macklin. I mean, you could argue that he never would have been the champion or never should have been the champion. You give Alex Shelley the belt. That's fine. You want to give Alex Shelley the belt? Why not? Who cares? It's your company. Do what you want. I don't have a problem with that. But in the match, Alex Alex Shelley showed me who he always was. That's, That's my point. And I've been right to say the things that I've said. And I don't feel guilty about it. And even though he's put in the work and the time, and I respect that part of it, he should be way better than this at this stage of his career. But I guess he just doesn't know. So I'm sorry I took that entire buffet table of food and left you a few scraps, but... I mean, I'd, I'd love to hear what you thought about the booking and the match and everything. Nah, you were, yeah, you pretty much nailed it. I, it just seemed like they kind of killed the Macklin experiment before, like they had, he had a chance to really do much with it. Just thinking, right. so I remember there's an interview that Bully Ray gave where he mentioned like they put the, took the took the title off him and put it on Saban for political reasons. This seemed like it was a political move. Well, it's definitely a political move. I mean, the fact that the Motor City Machine Guns still exist, have a career, and are on top and impact is political. It's almost just like, they're, well, they're they're the veterans. We gotta, you know, we gotta do something with them, and they decide to do this. So, but anyway, continue. And and at least they had the. Uh, turnbuckle exposed turnbuckle playing to the finish at least that made sense yeah i guess so other than that though i just yeah yeah i i was not a fan of this so the question is now if we're looking at slam anniversary this is Nick Aldis versus Alex Shelley. Yep. Is that a more intriguing match than uh, Steve Macklin versus Nick Aldis? I would say no. I think they, there's actually more meat on the bone if he did something with Macklin, Macklin and Aldis. Especially if, um, you know, for example, like, this could have been a time where I understand if you want to have a feel good moment and the clock's running out on Alex Shelley, but not only was this barely better than a episode of impact, like as far as a pay-per-view, this felt so small time. So it's not even like a real big moment for him. It's not on one of their big stages, like a Slammiversary or a bound for glory or whatever. It's just one of these secondary pay-per-view events 
It's like, oh, you're the champion now, Alex Shelley. It didn't even feel like a big deal. Um, so you didn't even get the most out of it that you could by making him the champion for the first time. But now you've taken a guy that has nothing really to do with any of the main event players, and you're having him inserted into this main event picture as champion. So, okay, um, who am I supposed to root for here? Like the feel-good story of Alex Shelley becoming the champion, I want him to, what, lose to Nick Aldis, who just strolled back through the front door and got a title shot? Like, is that is that how I'm supposed to feel about this? Um, or could we have had Macklin do something like, not only did I beat Alex Shelley, but I fucking crippled Alex Shelley, and he's going to be on the shelf for a while. And now people are going to be like, you know, like that's going to get me some heat. And now people are going to want whoever to beat me for this belt. And if that's not Nick Aldis, then, you know, whoever whoever it'll be is great. But since it is Nick Aldis, I'm going to cheer for Nick Aldis. You know, you're going to make a baby face out of Nick Aldis. Are you going to turn heel Nick Aldis for this? Why? Why would you do that? You know? So, it, that doesn't make sense. Why would you make Alex Shelley a transitional champion? Right. Your, Macklin, at this point, the way you treated Macklin, he's a transitional champion. He just won it because Josh Alexander wasn't there. So essentially, he's a transitional. So you go from a transitional to a transitional? Right. You just fucked him. You fucked them both. You fucked Alex Shelley because you made his title win mean less. And you fucked Steve Macklin because his title reign meant nothing at all. It was like they just... It's like they put the belt on him just so he could have the feel-good moment where him and his wife both won at that pay-per-view. Then you got this feel-good moment where, you know, this this ain't Benoit and Guerrero, okay? When Chris Saban comes out and hugs uh, Alex Shelley, this felt so small-time. Like, I can't even I can't even put into words how small-time this felt if you didn't see it. So, I mean, you, 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 you minimize this moment just so you could have a moment i don't know i feel like if you're just trying to put belts on people to make moments you should save those for bigger moments i don't think you should throw them away on secondary pay-per-views yeah just give the belt to moose meanwhile you got moose out here acting like a champion in eight-man tag matches you know working like a main eventer you know i understand that like i'm biased towards moose i get that however i'm biased for a reason you know, I'm I'm biased for a lot of people. I don't always say they should always be the champion of every company. <laughs> I don't say everybody I like should be the champion. I'm saying Moose should be the champion here because he's the clear choice and he's the one that's acting like a main eventer. Alex Shelley's acting like a lower mid-card guy with this match. Like this would have been the kind of match you would expect Chris Saban to have with Trey Miguel where... He's never in any real danger, and it's the old guy schooling the young guy. Like that's that's that that's not the match you're supposed to have for this. This this match is supposed to be, I'm past my prime, but I'm giving it one more shot. And this guy's in his prime, and he's probably gonna kill me. Uh, and then you win, 
and it shows that experience counts for a lot um but this other guy is still good and dangerous like that's the match you're supposed to have i didn't get that story from this match so yeah um nothing they do makes sense and i will give them the benefit of the doubt that there are things at work here that i don't understand and there that made them the, make the decisions that they are going to make you know but if you're if it's up to me if i'm going to put the belt on alex shelley i wouldn't have had macklin win the title to begin with like if i knew that far back that i was already going to put the belt on shelley i would have had kushida win because now you got an interest with kushida and shelley as the partners like am i going to win my first impact championship against my friend and partner like that's for what we're doing here that's more interesting i'm not saying it's the best and maybe they would have done that but because of kushida's availability and having to go back to new japan for the super juniors thing he couldn't be around on the you know to to be the champion so like that could be a reason maybe that is something they would have wanted to do if kushida were available but so maybe they're just making the best that they can with what they have and maybe they're making last minute decisions and changes and maybe they're agonizing over this stuff because it's their job and i'm just sitting here doing a podcast mm-hmm. so you know i'm not gonna put the booking on them like super like i'm really cracking down on it but i am saying on any given night the decisions that you make you have to do the right thing for those decisions so if they come to alex shelley and tell him you're winning the belt kid then alex shelley it's now on you to win that belt in a fashion that makes steve macklin look good and make yourself look good too that is your job on that night and if after 20 some years in the business you don't know how to do that yet why are you putting the belt on you bingo but that's that it's too late what's done is done the greatest wrestler of all time is now your impact world champion and we'll go from here see how they follow this up um but yeah that's uh that looks like it's about our show uh brandon do you have anything else for the people uh, any final thoughts on um on against all odds a rating out of 10 yeah. perhaps two and a half two and a half out of 10 that's worse than the go home show yeah did all two and a half go to the chain match and moose <laughs> yep all right well, I won't ask you to split that two and a half between them and say which one each got, but, <laughs> but that was your thoughts on it. All right. So, uh, well, tell the people where they will be able to find more of you. Uh, you can always, as always, find me on Twitter at TransArchistTia, as well as twitch.tv slash MissTiaTheTransArchist, as well as my new Substack at HMG Brandon. That's right. Um, now, when you post the... Uh, when you post the punching up impact on Substack, what day do you usually do that? Uh, on Monday, right before we go before we go live. Okay, so it, so it's not like they can get a sneak preview; they have to see it basically live, right? Maybe a few couple hours beforehand, depends on what time. Yeah, it's a couple hours, a couple hours sneak preview. All right. Um, 
all right so yeah that'll that'll do it uh uh and uh for me of course you can find me every uh wednesday at 8 a.m pacific 11 a.m eastern except maybe this week some things are up in the air but we'll let you know what's going to happen with the next level wrestling review because big ray thinks it's more important to do to have a wedding anniversary than to do a podcast so we'll figure out what's going on with next level pretty soon um but uh uh for that um you'll just stay tuned to hmg and keep your notifications on um as for me you can find me at opinion haver on all your favorite social media platforms uh where i might let you know what's going on as soon as i know what's going on um but uh Yes, so there's that. There's twitch.tv slash opinion ever. Don't forget to tune in to True Crime Tuesday tomorrow. We're playing some more L.A. Noir, and we're going to see if the chat can help me solve these cases on homicide. Um, and then seven, we... <laughs> yes, not that homicide. <laughs> um, everybody wants Gary to replace Big Ray. That could be interesting. Um but uh, Gary might also be booked. We don't know at this point. Um, yeah, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta book Gary quite a bit in advance. It's a little short notice to book Gary, but uh, yeah. What else do we got? Wrestling with Rip Rogers every Friday, except when it's not. Just like this time, it was on Thursday last week. So you never know. But you stay tuned to Wrestling with Rip Rogers. Subscribe. Hit that notification bell. Leave a comment. All that good stuff on Wrestling with Rip Rogers on YouTube. Um, plenty of good content there. They talked about the Iron Sheik. The Rip has stories about the Iron Sheik, so you can go check that out uh, right now. The Great Iron Sheik. Did you have anything to say about the Iron Sheik, Brandon? Man, it's just a shame that he passed. Because he he managed to keep himself like in the public eye even long after his like career had ended. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's just such an iconic wrestler that people knew, even if they didn't watch wrestling. They knew of the Iron Sheik. Yeah. Interesting story. He kind of married into my father's in-laws. What? Yep. Oh man, we're gonna have to save that one for next week. <laughs> I, um, I don't really, I don't really have any like weird stories. Like, like whenever we go up to Minnesota, like he'd introduce me, like, hey, like his the Iron Sheik married his, like you know, I forgot what is what the relation was to the person, but he introduced me, and like they they shared a few stories of like. You know, just them hanging out, just, you know, hanging out with each other. Wow, interesting. Yeah, I didn't know that. Um, well, find out new stuff all the time. Uh, so, all right, where was I? Russell Rogers, Stevie Richards. Follow Stevie Richards everywhere Instagram, YouTube. He's doing the Big Fitness Show with Big Mike Barons. They're just rolling along. He's got his video of his new truck. Like he's got all kinds of cool stuff out there. Still doing uh, reviews of exercise equipment and things. He's trying to save you. He was trying to save you money on Memorial Day sales. I mean, this man Stevie Richards cannot be stopped, uh, nor should he. So uh, follow Stevie Richards, and um, I guess that's all. That's gonna do it for me. And so for myself and for Brandon, I don't have a sign off line. <laughs>